Hi, everyone. Welcome to Avanti Insights. Hi, I'm Adrian Vernon with Avanti, and I'm joined today by Chris Gettle, our Senior Director of Product Management for UEM Security, and Phil Richards, our Chief Security Officer. Gentlemen, thanks for joining today. And yet again, cybersecurity is in the news headlines this week. FireEye and SolarWinds take center stage right now, and we are learning there is risk to a number of U.S. federal agencies. Chris, let's start with you and the situational analysis. Now, as I understand it, the sequence of events is that FireEye was breached, And FireEye's own investigation then uncovered an active exploit in SolarWinds, which is a popular piece of server software utilized by most Fortune 500 companies and multiple U.S. government agencies. Yeah, SolarWinds Orion is definitely a product used in quite a bit of places. So that's definitely in many organizations. Now, the interesting thing about this is FireEye is the first entity that really made headlines with this breach. And We're going to talk about some of the pieces that were captured from there in in just a minute. But uh, what was interesting about this is FireEye is a company that focuses on breach investigations and response. So this was like the perfect organization to get hit by this. And what I mean by that is this could have gone unnoticed for a much longer period of time. The fact that FireEye was one of the first hit by this means that they quickly got into the analysis and got to the root cause of this, which happened to have been a a Trojan embedded into SolarWinds Orion. As we talk about these numbers, SolarWinds has done some analysis now, and they believe that as many as 18,000 entities globally have updated to the version that has this Trojan embedded into it. Now, those numbers could have changed by the time they identified that, but that's roughly the ballpark of how many there could have been. 25 entities have confirmed incidents where this has been utilized to gain access to their environments at this point. So in this case for FireEye, data theft was the primary thing that occurred. They confirmed that there was attempts to gain access to some of their additional federal clientele's information as well. But really the incident for FireEye seems to have been localized. They found it quickly enough and responded to it and really uncovered this before it got even worse. I think that was actually a positive thing about this was their skill set really helped to drive this to res- identification quickly. Let's talk a little bit about recommendations. We're going to we're going to drill into vendor risk management and continuous vulnerability management in just a little bit. But let's talk about endpoint detection and response. That is really a critical new capability. The, the focus of that is on identifying anomalies or identifying behavior that is different than what happened before. And in fact, that was a big part of the of how uh, FireEye was able to detect the, uh, the SolarWinds Orion Trojan was based on new behavior in terms of workstations hitting or going to a command and control server that they'd never really gone to before. Another area that's really important, Chris, is, uh, is red team exercises. This is the idea of having a a group focused on trying to run exploits and penetrations within a a customer-facing or, in fact, your own corporate IT environment so that you can get the benefit of having hackers breach your environment without having the the real hackers breach your environment. And I think, uh, again, that for FireEye, this was like, uh, this happens to be their organization's strength is helping other organizations to do these types of exercises. And also the next item here, emergency response planning. 
these guys lived this on a daily basis. So when this occurred, they obviously it was like a machine. They just went into motion and started doing what they do. So this is a, a perfect example of why red team exercises and emergency response planning is so important. When an incident occurs, FireEye didn't even have to think about it. They just went straight into motion doing what they've rehearsed. So it was really a testament to why these types of exercises are critically important to being able to respond effectively when an incident does occur. Then data protection. It is so critical that you categorize your data so that you know what data needs to have stronger protections. Not all data is created equal. And so you don't want to necessarily have the same controls for your run-of-the-mill everyday data as you do for key intellectual property or really strong private data from a customer perspective. You need to segregate, classify your data, and then put the appropriate type of controls in place for that type of data. Yeah, and they it wasn't come pretty much outright uh, said in a lot of the statements that were made, but you can tell by how the situation was contained and the fact that there were attempts to get at other types of data, but those uh, attempts were thwarted. That data protection is obviously something that FireEye has implemented at a, an effective level within their organization. The attacker was able to get to certain things, but because uh, it, whether through segmentation or access controls, whatever shape it took on, they weren't able to get at some other things they were trying or attempting to get to. Very important to be able to classify and ensure additional capabilities or controls are wrapped around sensitive data areas. So now let's talk about the data theft component here. As you can see, there's a list of CVEs or critical vulnerabilities and exposures that were listed as part of the data that was stolen. Now, the question is, how do you steal the CVE? And the truth is, it's not the CVEs that were stolen. FireEye is a firm that particularly excels in the area of exploits. And so FireEye has some intellectual property around specific exploits of these particular vulnerabilities. And those exploits are the things that were stolen. So in some cases, that will result in a new or different mode of attack or a different sort of zero day. If you have indicators of compromise set up for these particular CVEs, these new exploits from FireEye might not trigger that, that IOC in the same way. So it is critically important that you look through this list and make sure that those attacks have been properly patched in your environment. Yeah, now we talked a little, so vendor risk management and continuous vulnerability management, two key points that we wanted to bring up at this stage of the conversation. The list that you see here, there, there's eight of these vulnerabilities that happen to be on the Microsoft stack. Not a surprise, Microsoft is very pervasive. It's in nearly every environment out there. So of course, it's going to be one of the bigger targets. But across here, we've got everything from the OS to hardware technologies, software technologies, a variety of different platforms and vendors represented in this list. Phil, one of the things that I think is very important about this, not only because in the case of FireEye, they found that one of the vendors that they put trust in, SolarWinds, is yeah. how the attacker got in. But as we look at a list like this, any organization evaluating this attack and trying to figure out, hey, what steps should I be taking? Start first and foremost with this list. Now, the good news is all of these vendors have fixes for these vulnerabilities out in the market. You know, you see there's dates going all the way back to our oldest one here, 2014, number 10 on the list there. That update's been available since 2014. 
but it's on this list because this threat actor is still seeing that as something that they will be able to take advantage of. So continuous vulnerability management doesn't just mean do the next update that came out, but also we have to make sure that we've plugged all the holes from before. One thing that I think a lot of people don't understand is vulnerabilities that have an exploit created, many of these are going to have a shelf life of up to seven years on average. That actually came from a report from the RAND Institute talking about the shelf life of an average vulnerability. So Phil, from your perspective, as this broke, this news broke, what exactly did our team within Avanti start to execute from a vendor risk perspective? A few different things. One of the first things we did, of course, is looked at and, and broke down the details of the exploit and the vulnerability and the recommendations coming from both uh, FireEye and SolarWinds. One of the first things that we did is assessed the uh, the instance and instances of SolarWinds in our environment, determined if those particular instances were were vulnerable, and then. Based on the recommendation, the first thing you do in this particular case is to shut those down uh, and then rebuild the server. You have to assume in this particular case that those that your server has been compromised. So you need to rebuild the server, then apply the patch to SolarWinds before you bring it back up. Now at Avanti, we've gone through that process and we have recently put together a statement indicating for all of our customers that our systems have been scanned and checked and reviewed and that the, the, those systems are, are clean as far as we know anyway. The, the point here is a couple of different things. First of all, there are vendor recommendations about how you address a zero day. Oftentimes the vendor will come out and give you specific steps to follow to make sure that you're that you're adequately covering the kind of activities you need to do. Some of those activities might be counterintuitive and you, and you might think, oh, that's overkill. I don't need to do that. That's not the case. They're in there. Those steps oftentimes are in there for a reason. So you need to follow the steps that have been provided by the vendor. Yeah. And, and I, I think, Phil, this is actually reassuring, reassuring about our customer base. The fact that we've already had enough of our customers reaching out to, to us to say, hey, reading this news, are, is the SolarWinds vulnerability exposing anything on the Avanti side? So much that we've released a statement to confirm that, no, we were not exposed by the SolarWinds uh, Trojan. So we've done that assurance. And basically, we were ready with that response before customers started asking for it. This is a really critical point around vendor risk management. Your focus is not to find vendors that don't have vulnerabilities. All vendors are going to have vulnerabilities. What you want is a vendor that has a process around how they handle those vulnerabilities and that they follow that process consistently. That's the thing that you need to be assessing when you're doing your vendor risk management not whether or not they have vulnerabilities. For a vendor that doesn't have a vulnerability, sometimes what that means is the first time they do have a vulnerability, they're not going to know what to do. And and that's something that that needs to be a concern from a risk perspective, not the fact that they don't have vulnerabilities today. Right. Now, one other thing more on the vulnerability management side of the conversation here is this list right here. These exploits that were stolen from FireEye are now out there in the wild somewhere, whether this threat actor just uses them internally or whether they distribute them in some way on the the dark web, that remains to be seen. The interesting thing about this is I actually went through and reviewed each of these against known exploits out there and all 16 of them already had uh, functioning POCs on exploit DB or in Metasploit or have known confirmed exploits that have been used in the wild. 
So none of these were released as never been exploited before. All of them also had updates available. So those are two good things. Now, what I think everybody should take away from this, though, is you should look at this list, go and evaluate your environment and make sure that you have put these in place, not just because they've been recently exposed, but because they've been exposed for a long period of time. In most cases, same year as they released was the first point where an exploit was actively taken advantage of based on the information I could find. So this is definitely one of those things to look for. I think one thing that is interesting of a thing about this, though, FireEye, they, I read some of the interviews with their CEO, and they create exploit kits like this for a reason. And that's because they need to perform the equivalent of real-world attacks. So these are going to be a step above what some pen test level exploits might do. These are definitely a little bit more sophisticated, a little bit more resilient than this in the hands of a um, persistent threat actor could be more dangerous than what you'd find in exploit DB, which is an open source pen testing platform. And to that point, Chris, if you're dependent on indicators of compromise as a threat hunting vehicle, that's fantastic. But these are likely not going to trigger the same indicators of compromise that the standard exploit from exploit DB would. So they might not show up at all in your environment if a threat actor is is using these particular proprietary attacks that were taken. Right. So uh, on that note, I think one thing we can transition to the next part of our conversation. This is talking about it, as a company, when a company like like FireEye gets hit uh, with this kind of thing, Chris, the question really is, do the rest of us stand a chance? FireEye, as you mentioned, is really a primary player in the security space. They were able to identify this and characterize it and catalog it and come up with a fairly good response in short order. What kind of chance do the rest of us stand? Yeah, first and foremost, no 100%. It's, there's going to be a new threat, a new exploit, even a zero day. Nobody knew about the SolarWinds vulnerability. Unlike that list of 16 we just looked at, those were all known. They all had exploits out in the wild already. SolarWinds, that vulnerability was a zero day. We don't know when the next zero day is going to occur. Technology, especially software, has a shelf life. Any IoT device you buy, any piece of software you install, all of these things, they may be assumed secure today. They may not have an identified vulnerability, but there is, there's always vulnerabilities in these technologies. And if they can't be exploited today, we could even see that years down the road, they could be exploited because that technology is now able to be defeated by something more powerful. One example of that would be the transition from the SSLv3 and now through TLS 101, 12. Mm-hmm. Those technologies just aged and technology was now available to defeat those capabilities down the road. We always have to be diligent in moving forward with our security practices. Yeah. When it comes to how, how do I eat this elephant one, one piece at a time, there's some important things to remember, which is down in the next area, a strong cybersecurity program. You'll, you'll notice the first thing says uh, cybersecurity program is about identifying, understanding, and then mitigating risk. What you're trying to do, what that really means is you're trying to prioritize the likelihood and the impact of attacks in your environment, and then determine what you need to do uh, to, to best defend against those types of attacks. As Chris mentioned, this is not a you know once and done sort of an activity. You got to come back to this over and over again. So don't try to have a perfect program on day one. 
try to figure out what the highest priority item is from a risk perspective, and then address that one and then move on to the next one. Yeah, I think another thing is defense in depth is a key to this. We can definitely see that from the FireEye example here. The fact that it was an unknown Trojan that let the attacker in, that was the initial entry point. But once in, they weren't able to get at everything they tried to. That, again, is a testament to the fact that FireEye has layered on many levels of uh, security within their organization. They're doing the basic cyber hygiene steps, but they're also making sure that they've got some of those additional things around protecting and segmenting their environments, getting good visibility to detect a threat if it's in there. That's what helped FireEye to spot this threat and be able to quickly get to starting to mitigate the impact of it. Without those additional layers, if you just have one layer of defense, that Trojan would have let them in. And if you didn't have good segmentation, if you didn't have data protection, this could have been much worse for FireEye. I really like this next bullet, which is that you need to assume that incidents will occur, that bad guys will get in, that that ransomware will make it into your environment. Something like that is going to happen. You need to figure out what you're going to do when that happens in your environment. Not just assume it's going to happen and, and therefore I'm not going to do anything. Get with your team, get with a security team, get with a council of business leaders across the organization and say, really, what are we going to do when this happens? And, and rehearse it a little bit. Walk through those steps. And you can make sure that you're doing that with the proper facilitator so that he can set up the situation so that it feels a little bit more real world. I can tell you from having done that multiple times, it doesn't take long for the whole group to get invested in the discussion and really start to take notes and realize that they need to change some things within their own department so that they're better able to, so they're better prepared and better able to respond when those kind of things happen. Yeah. And another thing to keep in mind is a strong cybersecurity program is always evolving and adapting based on real world attacks and information. Obviously, as things evolve, we've seen ransomware exploding. We have to identify what has changed, why is it so much more effective now than it was a couple years ago, and be able to adapt to that. Same thing with the incident here between FireEye and SolarWinds. Once it was identified how this attack occurred, a bunch of organizations were able to adapt their security program, evaluate based on the information that was now available about the SolarWinds Trojan, and be able to respond to and evolve their security strategy based on this new information. So security is a constant process moving forward. The last item we have on here is make sure you're using a well-known security framework. There are several. There's one from the Center of Internet Security called uh, Cybersecurity Framework. There is also the the NIST uh, framework, security framework. And you can even use the, the new CMMC framework. All of these frameworks provide you with a set of controls that that provide you with that defense in depth and provide you with a a, a good balance of defensive and offensive capabilities and and threat hunting capabilities and all that kind of stuff. So make sure you're using a framework because that's better than trying to figure it out on your own. Yeah. And I think that one question that comes up a lot, Phil, is what's the difference between a framework like you mentioned CIS or NIST or CMMC and a regulatory framework like PCI or HIPAA? So that's a great question. HIPAA and PCI are are both good frameworks for specific types of environments. If you happen to have 
payment card, if you're taking uh, credit cards, for example, then you have to be compliant with, with, with the PCI standard for the environment and the area that's taking on those credit cards. That's usually not a good framework to use across your entire network because it's a little bit too restrictive for general purpose. You wouldn't be able to send email out of that that network, for example. So it's a good framework for, in fact, it's a required framework for what you need to do in that kind of environment. But it's not a general purpose framework, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's the, the distinction that people sometimes miss is even other frameworks, newer ones like GDPR they don't give as prescriptive and focused of guidance either, where these these security-focused frameworks are going to be very specific in where to maximize your effectiveness in many ways as well. So think of it as a roadmap to security rather than a, a globe where, hey, you can go and look at the whole thing and then choose what you want to do. One of these more focused security frameworks takes you down that road from point A to point B and so on and makes you more effective with each step you take. So gentlemen, with that in mind, so we're understanding that the no defense is perfect. There is no 100% in cybersecurity. What are some resources you'd like to point people to check out next as a net and as a next immediate action item? Yeah. So I think one, we've got our CVE list here from the FireEye breach. You can also find other, other groups that are putting out those lists of here's the, the top 10, you know, top 25 from the NSA, from DHS and CISA. Those three lists there, I would say any organization should look at and evaluate those. These are what's trending, what's being routinely exploited across our environments. If anything in your environment happens to be something on this list, that is definitely something you need to evaluate within your organization. On top of that, there are other lists that aren't vulnerability specific, but are talking more about security trends. As it turns out, the criminals in this world to do what's popular and and common, just like the rest of us like to wear the right kind of clothes at the right time. So so there are certain types of attacks that rise and fall in popularity. And Gartner and Coveware and Verizon do a fantastic job of following those trends and really talking through what's currently in use by the criminal elements, therefore the types of defenses that are going to be most likely to provide you the big benefit. Okay. So Chris Gettle, Phil Richards, hey, thank you so much for providing your thoughts on Avanti Insights today. And I'll tell you, you guys had such great dialogue going. You didn't need me here. There was no need for me to interject. It was good, insightful dialogue. And we just wish you and your families just a great holiday season. We look forward to doing this again in January, 2021. And with that, everyone, thank you for listening. Happy holidays. Stay diligent, stay secure, and keep smiling. We'll see you in 2021. Bye-bye. 